This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome in, East Coast Bias Boys, backed by popular demand, of course, for our friends at FanDuel TV. You can catch us twice a week on the Ringer Gambling feed. We got John Zestremski, yours truly, Joe House, Raheem Palmer, as we get you ready and get you set for week number three across the board in the National Football League. And it's amazing how time flies. All of a sudden, we're hitting the end of September. It's week three. There's a lot to digest. Boys, it's good to be back. House, I'll start with you on this one. If there is a glaring general week two takeaway that you have as we are about to sit down and dive into the week three card, what's your main week two narrative and takeaway? Well, we got the offenses going, JJ. We got some touchdowns. The offenses, you know, went into the into the lab in between week one and week two and finally figured out how to start uh, generating a little bit. We got um, overs, a huge number of overs, 12 or 13 overs across the board this past week. We got overtime games, and and we saw some of the high uh, scoring out of offenses we anticipated this from, like the Detroit Lions, like the Seattle Seahawks. Um, And it was a, a good thing to see. We all like a lot of offense. We didn't anticipate it out of, the Washington Seawords and the Denver Broncos, but that thing blew right through uh, the, the the total, and that ended up being one of the, the the most exciting games of the week. But offense is back, baby. Yeah, offense is back, but the one team I want to comment on is the Cleveland Browns. Their defense is absolutely for real, and we saw that Monday night. And, you know, for all the offenses being back, the one, the one team whose offense really isn't back is the Cleveland Browns because you look at the Cleveland Browns. Out of all of the teams in the NFL, they're the only team who has had opposing teams not take a red zone snap. Like, like you look at the Cleveland Browns. Their success rate is 25% on defense. So, like, that's better than a vaunted Dallas Cowboys defense. So, if Deshaun Watson doesn't get it together, he's wasting an all-time great defense at this point. Yeah, it's a great point on Cleveland. I'm a little salty. Congrats, House, on the Steelers for Monday night, by the way, for what it is worth. Uh, The Brownies had no business losing that game. They give up two defensive touchdowns. Deshaun Watson, to quote our buddy Raheem the Dream, he looks Larry Holmes status. My goodness, he was dreadful, costing me a couple of shekels in that Monday night game. But hats off to Pittsburgh that's got to figure out some Kenny Pickett problems and and figure out how to get George Pickens involved. Uh, But that's a story for a different day. My big takeaway here, guys, and I want you guys to weigh in on this because all summer long, Raheem, you know, I'm talking up, you're talking up, House is talking up, the AFC, the AFC, the AFC. It's so good. It has the best teams. It's going to be the power conference in the sport. Well, now I look, Kansas City offensively, not what they've been in years past. Cincinnati has serious problems. They're 0-2 to start off the year. And I look at the NFC, and I see San Francisco, who's loaded. I see Dallas, who's loaded. I see Philadelphia, who's loaded. So, Raheem, 
you know, all this talk, and don't get me wrong, there are some excellent AFC teams. I'm not trying to disparage, but this narrative about the conference as a whole, it sure seems like the NFC, those three top dogs look pretty darn good. And the AFC might be a little bit more wide open than many thought going into the year. I won't say that the AFC is a little bit more wide open. I think there's like maybe three teams in that AFC with a legit shot. And to me, those teams are the Kansas City Chiefs, your beloved Miami Dolphins. And right now, it appears to be the Baltimore Ravens. You look at the Cincinnati Bengals. They've taken a clear step back with Joe Burrow being banged up, having that calf injury, and not being who he was. And then you look at the New York Jets. They were a team who a lot of people picked to be able to make the leap with that defense and Aaron Rodgers. And then the jury is still out on the Buffalo Bills. Bill Simmons has been saying all summer long that the Bills aren't that great. So I think there's three teams in the AFC that are just head and shoulders above everybody else. And then everybody else is just, I mean, you can cut the deck with the rest of those guys. Okay, guys. So from an injury standpoint, Raheem hit on one of the teams that's going to be dealing with a monster injury now moving forward. This Chubb injury house for Cleveland, and normally we don't put a lot of stock in running back injuries because, you know, it's a replaceable position. The history of the league tells us it's a replaceable position. But when you're in the predicament that they're in with Deshaun Watson, stink it up the joint. You have a team that is so reliant on that top-level defense. Now to go from this Ford character, they're going and bringing back Kareem Hunt, and to lose one of the most dominant, and one of the most ferocious running backs to a gruesome, horrific injury the other night. That is a major, major blow here for the Cleveland Browns to be without Nick Chubb for the year. I hate it because of my admiration for the player that Chubb is. I will say from my perspective, I'm not sure that it's necessarily catastrophic to the Browns' chances. In the first place, They're going up against Tennessee this week. This was not going to be a game that the Browns were going to go and run all over the other team and control the outcome of the game by way of their offensive uh, run game. And then going forward, the Browns still have an excellent offensive line. And, you know, the the, the real uh, fulcrum position for the Browns to me is quarterback. So Nick Chubb for sure was... uh, uh, a luxury for them, but I think it remains to be seen what what the difference is between Ford and Chubb, and will that really translate into a significant diminishing of offensive output from the Browns? It all begins and ends with a guy who takes the ball from center, and if he can't get it together, if he can't improve his efficiency and, and accuracy throwing the football. I don't think it really matters who's playing running back, Dream. Yeah, I mean, that's what it comes down to. At the end of the day, this is a quarterback's league. And Deshaun Watson right now, he just doesn't appear to be the guy that he was before. And it feels like this offense is was built around Nick Chubb. And, you know, the, the drop-off from Nick Chubb to Kareem Hunt, is it's, it's really, like, catastrophic. You look at Kareem Hunt last year, out of 48 running backs with 90 carries, carries he was 41st in yards per carry 35th in rushing yards over expected per attempt so Nick Chubb covered a lot of things up for that unit another loss that the Cleveland took in week one they lost um Jack Cochran so that's a huge blow to the offensive line so Deshaun Watson is really gonna have to put it together because I mean that defense is lights out so if they can just do something and he could just show some semblance of who he used to be. I think Cleveland is still live to make the postseason and still can cause teams problems. All right, let's look at that division because now for the second straight year, Raheem, the Cincinnati Bengals are an 0-2 team. They were 0-2 last year. Remember, they came to MetLife Stadium to take on the Jets. They won that game. They beat Miami on a Thursday night and it kind of took off and they took it from there. Cincinnati, though, this year, There are some warning signs. They're not the same team defensively. They lose a couple of pieces in that secondary. And Joe Burrow is clearly not 100% right. He missed time in the preseason. He missed time in training camp. He's complaining after this loss to the Baltimore Ravens about the idea that his calf is not right. You have to wonder, is that going to be something that's bothering him now for the rest of this year? 
I still think Cincinnati will be okay. I don't know if I'm bullish on them as far as being the Super Bowl contender they've been each of the last two years. I do think they're going to figure it out. But interesting with this Burrow injury news, Monday night, and I know we got a long way to go, Raheem, before we hit Monday night, but that line has plummeted quite a bit between the Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. Just a little food for thought. I don't think they're going to be okay. And I gave this out on my show yesterday, the Rostradamus show. Uh, before the season started, we gave out Bengals under 11 and a half wins. I think you should double down and take the Bengals under nine and a half wins because I don't see this team getting to 10 wins. I also think you should take them to miss the postseason because right now there's been talks of Joe Burrow going on IR. So he could be out three, four weeks. And we know how serious a calf injury is because that tends to lead to an Achilles injury. You look at the line on Monday night. They open up minus seven. That's down to minus two and a half. And I think this is a game in which the Rams can win. You start off 0-3, that's pretty much a death sentence. No, you're dead. You're dead. You get to 0-3. There's one team that's done it house over the last, I don't know, 10 to 12 years. That's Bill O'Brien's Houston Texans in the woeful AFC South. Uh, I I agree. If we see the Cincinnati Bengals go down here and fall to 0-3, Raheem, I think you're going to be looking pretty damn smart about that bet. Under 11 and a half seems like a winner. And then House, they lose on Monday night. I think the idea of Cincinnati missing the postseason, that becomes a real, real factor. Just saying here. Yeah, I, I think it's more than a real factor. I think it's the reality. The, 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 the true challenge for the Browns, in uh, the Browns, the Bengals, in addition to the Burrow injury, which is of a character that's radically different than the situation when they started off 0-2, Last season, they lost two divisional games. That's not that wasn't the circumstance last year when they were able to right the ship and come back. They're way behind the the the, the eight ball now in that division, and we think that division is tough. Like we've seen now, out of the Ravens and out of the Browns, like you know, that's a big leap that they're they're going to have to make up. And I, I think to Dream's point, a calf injury for a quarterback is is very concerning and the fact that we have uh a a, a potential aggravation just two weeks in for something that had him on the shelf for a month it's just super tricky and and i i think it's absolutely right to step in at this juncture and go try and catch some some leverage by going against the bengals at this point we have a lot to get to here on east coast bias we'll get to the slate of games in week three a couple of desperate Owen two teams. Do you want to be backing a bunch of Owen two teams here in week three? So we'll dive in. We got the one o'clock slate covered that four o'clock slate. You want to talk about as bad a four o'clock slate as I can ever remember. I mean, it is absolutely horrific. I'll give you the three games that we have coming up in the late afternoon window, but the boys will break it all down coming up next. Get ready to start the NFL week off right, because right now all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay for Thursday night football. Just place a three-leg same-game parlay on this week's game between the Giants and 49ers, and you'll get bonus bets back if you don't win. Look, taking the Niners and bringing them down, no-brainer. I'm going to look to do that. Daniel Jones, he's going to have to run a lot in this game. He doesn't have Saquon Barkley. So I'm going to take Daniel Jones to go over 40 rushing yards. You know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to go and take Brandon Ayuk to go and score a touchdown. How about that for a three-legger? Let's take the Niners down to minus three. Daniel Jones over 40 rushing yards. Brandon Ayuk to go and score a touchdown. NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. Build your own or choose from one of the popular SGPs pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. Visit FanDuel.com slash gamblers so you don't miss out on your chance to get a no-sweat same-game parlay on America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21-plus in present select states. Refund issued is not withdrawable. Bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. All right, fellas. So when you have an 0-2 team, Raheem, should we be looking this week 
to back a whole lot of 0-2 teams, knowing the the desperation, knowing what's at stake for a lot of these squads. You have a battle 0-2s with the Chargers and the Minnesota Vikings. You have the Patriots at 0-2. The Bengals, who we were just talking about, are 0-2. Obviously, each is a case-by-case basis. But in general here, are we looking to back, you think, a good amount of these 0-2 teams? I wouldn't say a good amount of them because, I mean, like you have to take everything on a case-by-case basis and just handicap the games themselves. But I can tell you that there has been some sharp money on the Minnesota Vikings thus far. They opened up as one-and-a-half, two-point underdogs at home against the Chargers. And I think if there's an 0-2 team that I would back, and I know that is the goofiest game on the board because both of those teams are just extremely goofy and anything can happen. If there's an 0-2 team that I would want to back, they're the, they're the one I want to back because the Minnesota Vikings, you look at both of their games, they can easily be 2-0, and but they've turned the ball over at will. Meanwhile, they've taken on a, a Los Angeles Chargers team, which they've had turnovers in every game, but they can't close the show. So if there's an 0-2 team I'm taking, it's the, it's the Vikings. Yeah, I'm with Dream, JJ. Um, we have nine 0-2 teams. There are nine 2-0 teams, 14 1-1 teams, and nine 0-2 teams. So it's you got to do it case by case. The one thing that I'm interested in your reaction to, Mr. John Jashemsky, I've seen some smart folks weighing in on the line uh, in the Miami Dolphins-Denver Broncos situation. Some folks that I respect out there you know, going deep into some of the um, surprising performance and efficiency on the offensive side of the ball for the Broncos and observing that the, the the true unit that has let down these Denver Broncos thus far this season has been the defense. And it's been a, 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 a debilitating defensive performance for the Denver Broncos. Are you afraid of the Denver Broncos in Miami this week? The line okay. I think is like six and a half, isn't it? It is a major, major trap and sandwich game for the Miami Dolphins. Now they're 2-0. They're playing their first home game. So you know the whiteout, all the stars are going to be out in South Florida for a 1 o'clock kickoff. But the Miami Dolphins just won on the road at New England. That's a blood rivalry game. The following week, the Miami Dolphins are in Buffalo. And you know after losing a heartbreaker in the snow in December – and after losing a heartbreaker with Skylar Thompson in the wildcard round, that's a game that I'm sure Mike McDaniel and Tua and all those guys have had circled on their calendar for quite a while. So, yes, this game does scare me, House, from that perspective with Denver because they're desperate at 0-2. Sean Payton is a terrific head coach. Denver has moved the ball well. It's scary, and I think Denver covers the number for what it's worth. If I were betting this game, I would be on Denver plus the points. Now, as far as Denver winning the game, I don't know about that. Remember, you do have some revenge angles here. Vic Fangio going up against his old team, so he's going to be fired up for that. Bradley Chubb, another one, going up against his old team. You know he's going to want to go and perform and show up. Here's what would be scary, too, from a Miami perspective, guys. Jill Waddle, that cheap hit, ended the fourth quarter against the Patriots, concussion protocol. If he cannot go... More attention thrown to Tyree Kill. Miami's offense, not nearly as dynamic. So, gave you a little bit of a long-winded answer there, Mr. House, on Denver and Miami. I will not be betting a cent on this game because I'll be rooting for the Dolphins to get the 3-0, but that sharp money that you're talking about, I'm okay with it backing Denver at 6.5. Um, Raheem, are you on board? Broncos plus the points? I'm not touching this game. <laughs> like, I mean, when you look at the, the I mean, how Sam Howell looked, against that Denver Broncos defense, that was very, very concerning. This defense is a complete mess. And, you know, like, they were down 21-3, and Washington didn't punt from the second quarter up until their last possession in the game. And if you have to take on Tyreek Hill and Tua, I I just can't do it. I'm staying away. That's a lot of speed. A whole lot of speed, even without (laughs) Jalen Waddle potentially for the Miami Dolphins. I think, if anything, the Dolphins may be a safe teaser leg go and get them down on the money line, or maybe even tease Denver up, get them beyond that six and a half for that seven. And I don't think that line is getting a seven again with all that respected money coming in on the Broncos. Boys, I, I have to weigh in on this. You threw me a little bit of a curveball. I'm all over the Vikings this week. 
House, I love the curveball you threw me because I'm glad we got to talk about the Dolphins and the Broncos. But I want to get on board with Minnesota here. The Chargers invent ways to lose football games. We had Tennessee last week. We saw how that script played out. Now I'm getting Minnesota at home. That's always a tough place to play. You got the Chargers going back out. I know it's central time, but it's still a lengthy flight. Los Angeles all the way up to the Great Lakes of Minnesota. And I'll take the Vikings with extra time to prepare. And I'm going to take them. It's it's a weird line, but I, I want to get, we got a family play right out of the gate. I got to get on board with this. I'm in on the Vikings. Yeah, I, I think gonna... it's, a, it's such a great play. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Dream, dream. Break it down for him. And I, I got a couple of things I want to throw in as well. I mean, I, I kind of made a, a large amount of my case earlier, but I just think the biggest thing is that when you look at the Minnesota Vikings, they have seven giveaways this, this season. You look at the Chargers. They're plus two in turnover differentials. And both of these teams are still 0-2. If the Vikings can just stop turning the ball over, and the fact that they're at home, and the fact that they're coming off a Thursday night football game, I just think it's a good spot for the Vikings to bounce back. So that's why I like it. Yeah, so I'm going to jump in on that um, same line of thinking. I think that uh, the addition of Brian Flores to the uh, uh, Vikings defense, the Vikings like quietly let some talented personnel leave in this offseason. They can't afford to pay everybody, but the defense is, is improved. I mean, it's a very funny thing to say. If you look at some of these metrics, there's an argument to be made that this version of the Vikings is better than the Vikings team that went 13 and four last year <laughs> by some of the, 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 the indicators, especially on defense and what, what Minnesota uh, is willing to do is blitz, 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 blitz. And, you know, just, just, you know, have guys out there. Now they, they're not getting home on the blitzes necessarily, but they're selling out to prevent downfield passing. And what do we see out of, out of the chargers last week they're trying to get the ball down the field a little bit they had some success against tennessee but this is going to be an instance where you know the chargers um will try and 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 i i, I guess slow down kirk cousins and this uh vikings passing offense but i i don't know how they're going to do it they're the worst team against the the downfield pass in the entire nfl and i think it's by a long shot all right I want to get to this game. House, there's a certain team that was very good to us last week. That would be the Tennessee Titans, who took down the L.A. Chargers in overtime. And it was a thriller. It was one of those edge-of-your-seat games. And it was a fun ride. That's what it boils down to. We know what the trends are. We talked about them last week. So if you're listening to East Coast Bias, if you're watching us on FanDuel TV, you're probably like, yeah, JJ, we know. We know that Mike Vrabel's unbelievable as an underdog. We know Mike Vrabel loves to win these games as an underdog. But it's worth repeating because here we are again, and Mike Vrabel is an underdog getting points against the Cleveland Browns. So I'll start with you, Raheem. The Titans were good to me last week. Would you, if you are John Jastrzemski, get back on the wagon with Mr. Vrabel as an underdog against that stout Cleveland defense? This is this is a really tough one. Um, I mean, the sharp money agrees with you. This was up to four and a half. It's now down to three. And I think there's some three and a halfs in the market. I think the biggest thing that you're seeing, though, is that the Titans tend to keep these games close. So it almost feels like this season you could just take three with whoever's getting three in these Titans games because they're just such close games. And Deshaun Watson hasn't proven that he can beat Tennessee or any team down the field on his own. And I think, you know, the Browns, without Nick Chubb, it's just such a significant loss that they're probably not built to cover these numbers. So I think from a right side standpoint, and the fact that the Browns are on a short week, the Titans are probably the right side. But I don't have anything definitively on this right now. So I'll confess, um, I piled into the Browns at three. It's Ooh, at three okay. and a half. Little heads up action here. Yeah. So you're back off the Titans because you don't want to put money on Tannehill again. That's what it boils down to. N not on the road. Not under these circumstances. Not against this defense. This defense, Dream Dream talked about it. And, and it was at the top of the show. And it deserved top of the show attention. This is an unbelievable defense. We've seen very good defense so far this season. The Dallas Cowboys, the New York Jets in week one. This, this Browns defense, what we saw out of them against Pittsburgh, where they validated the performance that they showed us against the Bengals in week one. 
I don't want anything to do with Ryan Tannehill against this defense when this 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 defense is going to dare him to throw the football, beg him to throw the football. He's going to see pressure the likes of which he hasn't seen, you know, since 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 uh you know, whenever it was, he got down on one knee and proposed to Mrs. Tanny Hill. That's the kind of pressure I'm talking about here. And his numbers are not good under uh, duress. So I, I very much like the Browns. I don't like them at all. If you have to play it at three and a half, I love them at three. So, you know, the, the numbers are what they are. The, the Browns are bad as a favorite. Three and nine against the spread as a favorite. The Titans, obviously, in their last 19 games as a dog, 13, five and one against the spread. You could find all kinds of stuff about Brable as a dog. But if you give me Browns at just holding serve at home, and this should be, this should be the opportunity for Deshaun Watson. If he's got anything to get himself right and, and show us some kind of performance because the Titans secondary is hurt and not good. So this would be the opportunity for Deshaun. Yeah, I'm grabbing three and a half, though, House. See, I think that half point makes a huge difference. I think this has field goal game written all over it. And if I can get the underdog and, to me, the better coach in the game. I'm not, I'm not a hater of Kevin Stefanski. I can't get enough of Mike Vrabel. So I'm going to, again, back it blindly like I did in week two, like you could have done in week one. Week one, Mike Vrabel took care of you if you bet the Tennessee Titans and kicked that late field goal. Week two was about the overtime heroics. I'm on Tennessee plus three and the hook. There's a trend we got to get to, fellas. It is eye-opening. It is maybe disturbing for one of these particular teams. And there's something got to give in the AFC East. We'll discuss right after this. So let's have a little fun here. House. Do you know when the last time the Jets beat the Patriots? Oh, uh, a decade? Has it been 10 years uh, yet? You're close. You're close. Raheem, do you know, my friend, the last time the Jets beat the Patriots? Um, It had to be the Rex Ryan era. Um, uh, it was a little after that. It was a little after Rex Ryan. Um, I will give you guys a hint. Their quarterback had one of the best beards you're ever going to see. There you go. 2015, (laughs) end of the year, a walk-off touchdown, Ryan Fitzpatrick to Eric Decker in week 16, only for the Jets, led by Todd Bowles, to go against Rex Ryan, Raheem, and lose in week 17, and it's the closest the Jets have come to the playoffs since that particular point in time. So it's been a while since the Jets beat the Patriots. House, here we are, Jets, Great win in week one. They lose Rodgers. They come from behind down 10. Humbling game in week two against Raheem's Dallas Cowboys. Yet, we sit here. The Patriots, they lose to Miami. They lose to Philadelphia at home. And they're three-point favorites on the road against the New York Jets. Are you surprised by that line? No, not one bit. I think the market knows who Zach Wilson is. We don't need any more you know, uh, uh, of a sample size. We have all the sample that we need when it comes to Zach Wilson. If he's playing quarterback for the New York Jets, you have to go against the New York Jets. That's my humble, that's the house opinion. That's the house angle. There is no scenario under which I'm willing to invest $1 in an outcome that supports the Jets as long as Zach Wilson is the quarterback. They have a giant problem. He is bad at, at, at being a professional quarterback. If he had more time and additional tutelage and could sit on the bench and be the third string quarterback for two more years, who knows? He's a young guy. There may yet be an opportunity for him. He can't play in the current NFL and not against this team, the New England Patriots, who have treated him like the littlest of little brothers and put him in the corner and left him there for eight hours. It is distressing if you're a Jets fan, but there is no scenario under which you're going to get me to support the Jets against the Patriots with Zach Wilson as the starting quarterback for the Jets. This is a tough one. Um, And first things first, I want to say that this line is actually two and a half now. So there's been some sharp money on the New York Jets. You look at the New York Jets, their defense is just, it's lights out. And I think you can't forget about that. Now, 
<laughs> Zach Wilson is horrible, and he's particularly horrible against Bill Belichick. I mean, in four games against the Patriots, he's 0-4. He has a passer rating of 50, 693 yards, two touchdowns, and seven interceptions. And if you look at those games, <laughs> I mean, this guy is 54 of 106, and he's lost those games 25 to 6, 54 to 13, 22 to 17, and 10 to 3. My model does make this game a pick em. So I think there's going to be an appetite for the home divisional dog for some professional betters who just say, look, the Jets defense is so good. And let's be honest, who is Mac Jones to be laying two and a half, three on the road? He hasn't been good this year either. So this is a very tough game. And I can see why people want to back the Patriots. But I would be careful because Mac Jones hasn't been the guy that you necessarily want to lay points with this season. Guys, I can't believe I'm doing this, and I'm going to have major egg on my face come Monday. You guys are allowed to mock me for doing what I'm about to do. I'm on the Jets in this game because, to me, it's a matter of they're due. They're due. Garrett Wilson said it. It's unacceptable losing this amount of games for this amount of time against this team. And let's not forget, when you're losing games to Tom Brady, it's one thing. It's the greatest to ever do it. 2020, the Pats missed the playoffs. The Jets got smoked in both of those games. 2021, the Pats were a mediocre playoff team that got smoked by Buffalo. They got killed in both of those games. Last year, the Jets should have beaten New England not once but twice. They did it because their quarterback was that bad. I think what they're going to do in this game, House, they're not going to allow them to throw the football. I, I think you're going to see Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, Michael Carter run it a ton. And I think the best unit in the game is the Jet defense. The Jet defense got punked by Raheem's Dallas Cowboys. I thought Sauce Gardner was terrible. I, I thought their third down defense was a joke. And I'm not laying points with this nickel and dime Patriot offense that has nobody. And I mean nobody that scares me. I'm taking the points. Now, I like it a lot more at three than I do at two and a half. But I think the Jets who need this game. I'm telling you, Jets go. That's the amazing thing about this game for both teams. They really need it. If the Patriots lose, they're on with three, and it's like, wow, this is going to be the year it bottoms out for Belichick. But if the Jets lose this game, House, it's like all the good feelings of what they did Monday night against the Bills are out the window. It's the most fascinating game of the week to me by a mile, Jets and Patriots, for what it's worth. I actually have a question for you guys. What if the Patriots are just bad? And... You know, a lot of people always want to talk about they, they want to talk about Bill Belichick. But really, what has he done since Tom Brady has left? I mean, he's put on mediocre to bad football teams. And you look at Mac Jones, he's just 14, 19, and one against the spread. And when you look at him on the road, he's not that much better than that. So I, I just don't know who he is to be laying two and a half on the road. And if it weren't for Belichick, I don't think people would be laying, be like on a rush to lay in those points. So, JJ, I'm leaning with you. I don't know if I'm necessarily going to take it, but if I had to take a side, I would just, I would take the Jets. Wow. I can't believe this. Putting money on Zach Wilson. This just has disaster. Uh, <laughs> Good luck. All Best over of it. Luck. I appreciate it. I will, I will Best take your luck. luck. Listen, the way I look at this game, as somebody that is a fan of a team in the AFC East, Somebody's got to lose. That's the best thing about the Patriots <laughs> playing the Jets. Somebody's got to lose. Okay, boys, this game caught my eye. And I was surprised, quite frankly, Raheem, with the way this line has kind of plummeted a little bit. Are you surprised that Atlanta is down to three or three and a half, depending on where you can get it, against Detroit after Detroit? They lost to a good Seattle team. I feel like this line is a little bit of an overreaction to what we saw last week. Do you agree with that? Um, is it an overreaction? I, I think the biggest thing, I mean, on the surface, I would say that because when you look at the Lions, they had five turnovers last week. They turned the ball over on downs twice, and then they had like interceptions and fumbles, and they still almost took that game. They still took that game to overtime. So to me, like they played a, 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 a Seahawks team with no defense, and they're playing a Falcons team, which a much better defense. But I think the reason for this line move this week is because the Lions are absolutely banged up. I mean, you got Taylor Decker, Decker out. You got um guy on the offensive line out. You got David Montgomery banged up. You got C.J. Garner-Johnson. 
he's going to be out long term with the pec injury. Emmanuel Mosley is still out. So this Lions team is absolutely banged up. They're pretty much sending the whole team to the hospital. And I think the market is responding to that and the fact that Atlanta, they can, they'll just lean on you and they'll just run the ball. And I think we saw that last week. I mean, Desmond Ritter isn't good, but I just think four and a half was way too high. I think these teams are closer to equal. So if, if these are equally matched teams, I, like three and a half, four, it's just way too high. Yeah, JJ, I'm super bummed out about all of those Detroit injuries because I was prepared to load up on the Lions. It was I I I saw this game after watching. I watched a ton of Atlanta the previous two weeks, and I just was I've been dying to bet against Desmond Ritter on the road. This is speaking of guys. Now he did show us a little something in that second half comeback against the 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 Packers uh, at home. On, on Sunday, but man, I was dying to go against Ritter uh, co come this, this week. And Detroit at home is such a, a machine, an offensive machine. They nine of the last ten home games have seen at least fifty-one combined points uh, scored. Seattle and Detroit combined for sixty-eight last week. The Lions uh, thirty-one points last week. The twelfth time in their last thirteen home games where they scored 25 or more points, Detroit at home gets it going. And I was ready to, to load up here, but I, I, I just, now it feels like a stay away because of all, all, all the injuries. And I don't, I think dream's absolutely right. Game script wise, the Falcons best chance is to take the air out of the ball and just run, 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 run. And it's, the, it's not like the lions defense can has demonstrated a capacity to stop the run. So this now is a stay away for me. Well, I think it's going to depend on what version of the Lions defense do we get. Do we get the team that we saw week one against the Kansas City Chiefs or are we getting the team that got absolutely smoked by Seattle a week ago? I still think it's a great spot for the Lions. I understand the injuries. They're fair, Raheem. They're legitimate. I think that's why more than anything, this line has kind of come down a little bit. But I'm still going to take the discount here. I think Detroit's still a legit team. And I need, I bet Atlanta will win the division. So I, I think Atlanta is a team that's more than capable of winning the South. They've won their first two games at home. Let me see Ritter on the road, hostile environment, go and play a game. I think this is going to be a welcome to the NFL type of moment for him. So I'm hopeful that I can snag a three at some point in time. Because if I see a three, that's it for me. In on the Detroit Lions. I still like it, though at three and a half for what it's worth. That is a game that I have circled, and we'll see if it finds its way onto Ringer Wise Guys. Of course, Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern, FanDuel TV. You don't want to forget about that. Um, That's what we call a transition in the television business. Quickly, guys, Sunday night football. I like the game. The 4 o'clock games are so bad. I mean, listen, Arizona and Dallas, woof. The Bears, enough of the Justin Fields hype train. I want to credit Raheem. He was out on the Bears from day one. They stink. They're one of the worst teams in the league. Taking on Kansas City. You know, Raheem, we got a question about knockout pool and who we like in a knockout pool. Look at those two games. Take Dallas or take Kansas City. See you later. Right? Like, uh, come on, Arizona or Chicago winning their game at 4 o'clock? No chance, bro. No chance. Yeah, I and mean, you know when it comes to the to knockout pools, I'm almost wondering if you could just fade Arizona every single week or fade Chicago every single week. Now, um, there are some knockout pools out in Vegas where you have to save a Thanksgiving team because that's a week on its own. So obviously, you, do, you probably don't want to play Dallas in that situation. But um, if I'm taking a knockout pool, I'm trying to just take the team who has to play Arizona every single week I can. <laughs> I know a lot of good choices. I mean, you got Indianapolis on the road in Jacksonville, or you have Jacksonville taking on the Texans, excuse me. You have Baltimore taking on the Indianapolis Colts. So you you got some options as far as the knockout is concerned. Want to get to Sunday night, Steelers-Raiders. It's actually a better matchup than anything you have in the 4 o'clock window. At first, I'm looking at the game. I'm like, wow, Steelers-Raiders, that's the best we can do on Sunday night? It's better than those 4 o'clock games. Um, the Raiders' house are two-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. You find that surprising? No, because the whole world got to watch Kenny Pickett in the fourth quarter generate a negative seven yards against that Cleveland Browns uh, uh, defense. We all got to watch Kenny Pickett miss throw after throw after throw, looking at the wrong receiver, missing opportunities, get the ball 
to Pickens, his best receiver, looking to the wrong side of the field. I um, think that this is a vote against the offensive side of the ball, a vote against Matt Canada, a vote against uh, uh, Kenny Pickett. And, you know, I, I, I think there is uh, been kind of a, a, a surprising kind of institutional discipline that we've seen out of the Raiders. Now, they got busted against uh, the Bills. But the first, you know, quarter and a half of that game, it was still, it looked like, okay, this is interesting. Am I going to have to start rethinking my my Raiders position here? That's not really a uh, a downgrade for the Raiders to get on the wrong side of a Buffalo Bills home, you know, downhill snowball. That's happened to a lot of teams and a lot of decent teams over the last handful of years with, with the Bills and Josh Allen. Um, so I'm not that surprised to see the Raiders at home in a position where this Pittsburgh team, especially on offense, just hasn't shown us anything. Well, I mean, they haven't shown us anything because they've played the the top two defenses in the league. Okay. Like, like, I mean, they played the San Francisco 49ers in week one, and then they come right back, and then they play the Cleveland Browns. And we've, we've, we've spoken at length about how good that Cleveland Browns defense is. Now, for the first time, they get to play an awful defense. Like this Ravens, I mean, this Raiders defense can't stop anybody. This is a team that's 31st in success rate and 31st in EPA per play. So I think if there's a time where you want to buy some Kenny Pickett stock, it's right now. And I look, I I know they they lost, they already lost Deontay um Johnson. So that's a big loss. But George Pickens should be able to get off. And I just think this is a spot where the Steelers should possibly win this game. We saw Kenny Pickett put together a game-winning drive against this same Raiders team last year. Now, I know that was at home. The only thing that concerns me about this game is that we know that home teams on Monday night, short week, they're flying west, and they have to play a road team. That's a that's a bad spot. That's typically a 39% wager long-term. But I feel like that's priced into, into this line. Like, who are the Raiders to be laying two and a half to the Steelers team. Everybody on East Coast bias, um, I think Cousin Sal might have said it too, I think Bill Simmons might have said it as well, that we expect the Raiders to have one of the best, rec- um, worst records in the league. So why wouldn't we fade the Steelers? I mean, fade them at this point. Yeah, JJ. This is such just, a stay away. Oh my no, God. No, no. Just to be clear, I'm betting the the Steelers money line. Because it's, oh, okay. you, you basically asked me to make the case for why it is that the Raiders might be favored. I love the Steelers in this situation. Oh, you just I know. do us, you, House, you just do us for a complete loop. That's I'm how we you do like it. the Raiders. I mean, that was the biggest curveball of the show. I mean, forget about a curveball. That was a Tim Wakefield knuckleball. That was Look, a classic you have to remember. knuckleball. That's right. I, I, I have my legal background. You know, I'm supposed to be able to advocate different positions. I love the Steelers. <laughs> this Steelers defense, what they showed us this week against the Browns, they won that football game. It was the defense. Do you think that Jimmy G under pressure, and we we know the splits of Jimmy G under pressure. Do you think that that sorry uh, Raiders offensive line is going to keep uh, uh, TJ Watt and and all those guys on that 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 ferocious Steelers line out of the backfield? They have no answer for for what the Steelers are about to bring, the pain they're about to bring. I love the Steelers' money line in this situation. As we sit here on on, on tape of this on Thursday, you understand. Well, and know this about this game. Yes, situation probably favors the Raiders. Mike Tomlin is an underdog in a primetime game, though, is just salivating. It's salivating on so many different levels. So we'll see again. This is not one I'm playing yet. May have a different feel once we hit Sunday at around 11 o'clock Eastern. All right, we got a Thursday night game to break down. The Giants, they got a much-needed win. They're not going to have Saquon Barkley. Any way they cover 10 against the Niners? Find out right after this. All right, gang, Thursday night football. The Giants, who spotted the Arizona Cardinals 20 and were lucky enough to win. Now they made plays, Daniel Jones, Darren Waller, Darius Slayton, you name it. But not a good sign for the Giants that they're struggling to beat a team like the Arizona Cardinals did not cover the number for what it's worth. Giants, 10 and a half point dogs in San Fran against the Niners. Raheem, you know this. Everyone and their mother is going to bet San Francisco. They're just going to line up and bet them blindly. Can you make a case that Brian Dable's team, without Saquon Barkley, 
can make this a game tomorrow night? I really can't. And a big reason why is because this Giants defense is a problem, and then they have issues on the offensive line. I mean, we saw through the first six quarters of the NFL season, the Giants were outscored 60 to nothing. And I I think the only case for the Giants covering this number is the fact that it is 10 and a half with a, a total of 44 and a half. And I mean, it is Thursday night football. You can kind of see a, a team just kind of getting in with the win and just, you know, like just packing it in. But outside of that, I just don't want to back the Giants in the spot, especially without Saquon Barkley. Yeah. The only drama associated with this game is whether uh, for the second consecutive week, the San Francisco 49ers will give up a last second score that steals a cover away from everybody. This is a disastrous spot for the Giants. I mean, the, the Giants don't play well against good teams since week six and week seven of last season. When they went, uh, uh, they had back-to-back wins against Baltimore and Jacksonville. They have gotten crushed by every single good team that they faced, including obviously what we saw from the Cowboys. But they, they, I'm going all the way back. Double-digit loss to Seattle, week eight last year. Double-digit loss to Detroit. An eight-point loss to Dallas. A three-score loss to Philadelphia. They lost to Minnesota, who they did come back and beat in the playoffs. Okay. Uh, and then a blowout loss to Philadelphia in the playoffs as their, their cherry on top. And then they started off this season with a 40-0 and loss to Dallas. They're just not good against good teams. The numbers for San Francisco at home are insane. They're 14-1 and straight up. They're 13-2 and against the spread of their last 15 home games. 10 is a great number. 10 and a half is a number where, you know, the, the, the bums, uh, did, did Daniel Jones rushes for 40 yards on the last play of the game and gets a touchdown on what was, should have been a 17 point loss. So proceed with caution, but I'm not making any case whatsoever that supports the giants in this spot. No, it's tough too. Uh, you're not going to have Saquon Barkley. That's a major blow. The giant defense does not have a sack this year. So I don't know where they're going to generate the pressure. On Brock Purdy, Niners are too good. Uh, to your point, House, I'd like this line a heck of a lot more if it were a 10 as opposed to 10 and a half. Uh, but the trends for Daniel Jones in these primetime games uh, in Thursday night football, it is putrid to say the least. I'll lay the lumber. I'll hold my nose. It's a hold your nose kind of game on Thursday night. But the boys have a united front here for Thursday night football. If I had to play it and I don't love it, I would lay it with the San Francisco 49ers. All right, before we say goodbye, boys, we'll come back and we'll give out a best bet for week three in the NFL right after this. Okay, boys, before we say goodbye, Raheem, I'll start with you. Best bet as of right now for week three would be? I'm going to go with Cowboys, Arizona, over 43 and a half. I'm just not buying this Arizona Cardinals defense at all. Um, I think this should be a game where the Cowboys should just be able to get off offensively. Um, I think this total is a little low. So that's what I'm going to go with right now. House. I like to dabble in the exotics, as you know, JJ. So I have to do a teaser, of course. This is my just win baby teaser of the week. I have... The Bills, who are sitting as six-and-a-half-point favorites against my C-words, beloved C-words. This is a little bit of an emotional hedge. I'll just confess it right up front. Down to six points. And then I have the Seattle Seahawks only laying six at home against the Carolina Panthers. Bryce Young on the road. So if you tease those, you need the Bills to win by a half point and the Seahawks to win. I like it. Sign me up. Here's what I'm going to do, boys. I'm going to go to a game we haven't touched on yet. I'm taking the Green Bay Packers laying the two against the New Orleans Saints. I watched a lot of that New Orleans game Monday night against the Carolina Panthers. I think we are all a little salty that the New Orleans Saints did not cover and they ended up pushing that game against the Carolina Panthers. And now Green Bay, after back-to-back road games, they lose a tough one against Atlanta. They win in Chicago. 
the Lambeau faithful gets his first opportunity now to go and salute their new quarterback. I think their new quarterback will be up to the challenge. I think more importantly, though, the Green Bay defense will be up to the challenge in this game. New Orleans, you're putting them on natural grass. You're bringing them outside. You're taking Derek Carr out of that dome. Sign me up right now. I think it's going to be a happy homecoming for Jordan Love and company. I am on the Packers laying the two. That's going to work its way on the Ringer Wise Guys on Sunday. I don't know what capacity, but it will be on Ringer Wise Guys, which is coming up. So good job, Raheem and House. Uh, you, you guys are TV stars now quickly. You ready? You guys ready? Uh, ready for Sunday? Let's go here. Yeah, we're definitely ready for Sunday. And I agree with you on that Packers pick. I think the, the biggest reason why I agree is because the Saints struggle to run the ball. And that's the one area where the Packers can be beat. So if the Saints can't run the ball, there's no Alvin Kamara. There's no Jamal Williams. The Packers should be able to capitalize. So I agree with you on that one. And I'm excited for Ringer Wise Guys on Sunday. Let's end this show with a family play. Let's just make it a family play. I love this case. Derek Carr outdoors at Lambeau. Let's go, baby. Family play to end Thursday East Coast bias. I love it. A surprise family win. The boys hop on board. They give me the endorsement. That's what we do around here. So House is going to have you covered on Friday with Warren Sharp. You want to stay tuned for that. And then the three of us with Cousin Sal, Sunday, 11 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Pacific. Ringer, wise guys. The boys have been hot the first two weeks. We will try to keep that going in week three. I know Raheem's got winners up the wazoo that are coming out of his system as we speak. So for House, Raheem, JJ signing off. I want to thank our buddy, our pal, the Wargon Warrior, for holding down the fort. We'll see you Sunday for Ringer Wise Guys. East Coast Bias Boys out. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas. Under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT-IN-INDIANA. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit Gambling Help Line MA or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.